you, worship team. Uh, we appreciate you and your ministry. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Okay. Well, I got three of you here. Amen. Okay. Well, we'll have church. But uh, how's everybody doing today? Amen. Amen. Good. Everybody, t- you know what? Look at your neighbor and say, Every day is a good day in Jesus. Every day is a good day in Jesus. You know what? I'm not going to hell today. All right? That's good. That's a good day. It doesn't matter what happens to my car or my house or my job. Today, I am the redeemed of the Lord. Amen? And I'm going to say so. How about that? Amen? And uh, hallelujah. Amen. This morning, uh, I'm ready for the Word. And uh, I want you to follow along with me uh, this morning. And I want to do a little different. I'm, a little, I'm going to teach a little bit this morning. And I want to talk about... Uh, the gospel maybe in a different light, in a different way, that maybe we'll grasp it a little deeper this morning. And so let's pray, and uh, let's just get into this. Father, God, I pray, Lord, I, Lord, as I stand right here today, God, I know that you have something in store for us, uh, Lord, by the time we end this service. And uh, God, I stand before these people and my brothers and sisters whom I love and serve, uh, God, that, that, that I wouldn't lose them, God, that we would go deeper today, God, into your spirit, into your word, to have a greater appreciation uh, for Jesus Christ and the new covenant that he offers with us. And I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear, uh, hearts to receive, and feet to walk out of this place differently, God, that you would begin to do new things in people's lives today, God. If we've been kind of going through the motions, God, that we'd get over that and, and go deeper. God, if there are those that are kind of undetermined and, and they're saved, but God, they are, they're really just unsettled. And Lord, it's even unclear that they're even going to make it all the way through this journey of life. Uh, God, they'd have a resolution today, a commitment today. God, never to leave you nor forsake you just as you'll never leave nor forsake us. And God, for those of us who are on the journey and ready to go deeper in, God, I pray today they'd go headlong, Lord, into the depths of your spirit, into new callings, new things, God, that you're going to do in their life. Uh, you begin to use them in the gifts of the spirit. I just pray, Lord, increase in ministry opportunities over people in this congregation, just the gifts of ministry. Uh, and God, that you would uh, begin to give them just this exuberant joy and zealousness uh, for your soon and second coming as we see it so quickly approaching. God, you're getting your end time church ready. And uh, God, I want to lead this people to be a part of that last day's movement uh, as you come. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. We're on our series called The Journey. And we have been following the journey of the children of Israel through the wilderness. And we've followed them through the the Red Sea all the way now to the Mount of God. And uh, this morning, I want to title this message, The Journey, When You Reach the Mount of God. Or if I had another title, I'd call it Mountain Moments. Because I'm going to break this one sermon into three over the next three weeks. So I hope you'll continue to be with us Uh, the next two Sundays. But how many people desire to live in the blessings of God? Let me see a hand. How many? All right. Some of us, I'll convince you hopefully by the end of the service, if you didn't raise your hand. But hopefully you're here today because you believe and you desire to live in the blessings of God. They're good. God's a good God. But I think there are pivotal points uh, along our journeys with God. And I, I know in my life it's been the case that there are Uh, defining moments that determine how we move forward into His promises. Mountain moments, if you will. 
And uh, there may be people in this room today, and I'm going to give you some ideas of maybe perhaps you're one of these people. Maybe today you're wondering on the inside, uh, does God love me and am I special to him? Does God love me and am I special to him? Maybe you're also here today and you're asking yourself, and these are thoughts you're probably thinking about consciously, but you would, if you were honest, you'd say, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm doing enough. I'm wondering if, if I'm good enough for God to bless me. And maybe others today, you're, you're at the place where you say, you know what, I've made it through a wilderness season in my life. I've gotten through some rough patches here lately, and I'm finally ready to just go all in and give God everything I want. But I'm not really sure how I do that. And if I was honest, I'm a little scared about just letting go and letting God, as we say, uh, of what's going to happen. Uh, what's going to happen if I do that? What does God want of you? And what are the terms of your relationship with God? What's it, what agreement do you have with God and your relationship together? I think that's very important for us to ask ourselves this morning because there's steps along our journey where God, I believe, tries to reveal to us some things like this. There's no value in this world. Uh, this world has never valued you. It never will value you, especially as a believer in Jesus Christ. The only value you're going to have is in God. I think God trying, is trying to get some of us today to understand that there's no lasting comfort or no lasting identity in the people or things in this world. There's no meaningful purpose. And think of it this way. Someone will replace you in your job. Someone will live in your home after you. Uh, and most of us, this world will forget our names. The only way to truly have meaning and value is in one man, one God, Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes tells us whether you seek wisdom or pleasure or even laughter, whether you seek wine career or money, everything is meaningless except the beauty and the purposes of God. I hope today, as we're standing here, and I'm here with you, that we're at a place, some of you, maybe at least three of you, I'll, I'll preach just for three of you today, that you're at a place where you're ready to just go all in with Jesus. Just ready to say, yes, God, I'm ready to encounter you in a new way. I'm ready to go over the mountain with you. Uh, and maybe you're just still struggling to decide how and what and if that's something I really want. But here's what we're going to talk about today. That God is a God who is unconditionally willing to bless us if we'll listen and obey. He's unconditionally willing to bless us if we listen and obey. And through Christ and the Holy Spirit, you're not only able to accept that offer, His gracious offer, but you're able to fully live out the blessings of God. And uh, if you're ready today, somebody say amen. amen. Okay, turn with me to Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. Let me give you some background as you turn there this morning. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. It's been about 44 days... And Israel has reached the mountain of God. And if you're not familiar with this passage uh, tonight, go and read the first 19 chapters of Exodus in a translation that, that works well for you. But Israel has endured thirst and hunger and heat and exhaustion. And they've seen God deliver them from slavery, part the Red Sea, provide quail, manna from heaven, that bread from heaven, miracle water several times, and just yesterday give the battle and victory. Uh, how many people were here last week for the staff sermon we talked about? Amen. God yesterday just gave that battle, okay, over the people of Amalek. 
And now today we've reached the mountain of God and God is hoping or he's about to offer his people, us, a covenant, a great agreement if we'll listen. And so God is about to speak from the mountain. All right. We're at the just the edge of the mountain. And and he's hoping, though, that our hearts and our minds have changed over these last several weeks of being delivered of what we've learned about ourselves and about him in these wilderness. And I may say, you go through some wilderness times in your life, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and you're going to learn a lot about God and your relationship and your agreements together. And so three mountain movements, uh, moments, sorry, we're going to talk this, uh, these next several weeks about his covenant, consecration, and commission. Three big words we don't use much in, in America today, but we're going to break them out. But let's read Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Okay. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. Note that right there. Tell the house of Jacob and the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if, you'll, if you will indeed obey my voice, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me, here you go, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They gave it this big shout. And Moses brought back to the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. This morning, it's kind of like we're looking at a, a, a contract agreement with three parties involved. And I'm going to kind of break these parties out. One, we have God speaking from the mountain. Uh, but Moses, like, uh, like any major business deal, maybe it's buying a home or a car or entering into some great business agreement, you often need a broker, uh, intermediary, intermediary or an intercessor, this third party who can kind of set forth the terms and be the escrow account, I guess you'd say. And so this intercessor becomes Moses. Moses is the priest to the people, the prophet to the people, and he becomes the man anointed by God to begin to intercede between these two parties, us, man, uh, and him, God. And so Moses is this mountain man, if you will. He's going back up and forth to the mountain, kind of setting forth the terms. He goes up and says, God, here's the terms. They, 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 uh, he goes to the people says, hey, here's what God said. Here's the terms. They say, well, okay, let's think that over. Okay, yep, okay, I like that. Let's, okay, and then we take it back up the mountain to God. God, do you accept the terms of their... And so Moses is playing this role going back and forth up the mountain. He's the real estate agent, the broker, or the bank, okay? Uh, he's the escrow officer. Uh, and so he's this link, and he says, here's the terms, Moses. If they will obey, and if they will listen, I will make them something special. If they will obey, if they will listen, I will do something in their lives. I will transform them into being something awesome. Something the world has never seen before nor heard of before. I, God, I'm going to be personally invested in each of their characters, minds, lives, finances, marriages, homes, children, uh, businesses. I will make them something. 
How many know it's awesome to be made something by God? Right? So he says, if they will listen and obey. There's the terms. You and I today have an even better mediator and even better agreement. The Bible tells us that Christ comes down. And Christ in our behalf, if, if we're looking at their agreement and we're looking at our agreement, this is a parallel. And this is what God is speaking this morning. He's going to talk to us a little bit about how their relationship with God is similar to ours and how this covenant really was a symbol of what you and I are going to experience and have today. That just as Moses was an intermediary, you and I were sent an intermediary too, a mediator. Moses was man, anointed by God. Jesus comes and He stands in the gap between God and man. And how does God make Him? He makes Him into a 100% man and a 100% God. Think of that just for a moment. Moses was a man trying to intercede, but Jesus comes as both God and man. Why? Because in that way, He can perfectly testify to who God is. He can perfectly understand who you are and what you're like and how you think and what you feel. And He can perfectly stand before God as us and He can perfectly stand before us as God. Isn't that awesome? How God can creatively do that? And so He tells us and He can perfectly testify to the love of God. In His birth... Jesus comes down and God says, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. And he says, Moses, I'm going to speak to you so they'll understand and believe in what I'm saying to you. And Jesus, we gets come, he comes down and God speaks openly to Jesus and openly with us and says, this is the one who's going to intercede between us. This is the mediator. This is the one who can perfectly tell you how much I love you, how much I have things in store for you, what I will do for you uh, if you'll but what? Listen and obey. And I love that. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 says, Christ, He's the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive an internal inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they had committed under that first covenant. So that's who Christ is. And that's just the biblical... Uh, if you're with me this morning, I hope you're following. I know it's like, oh, I already know this, Pastor Heath. But you know just how awesome that is? I, just, uh, I was re- uh, reading this and just studying this. And I was just like, God, I have a perfect intercessor. I've got a perfect high priest who's God and man. That is just amazing. I don't know if you understand that or not, but he is amazing that God would do that. Okay, I'm going to get off that. Who are you, though? Who are you? Verse 3 says what? It says that tell the house of Jacob and the sons of Israel. There were one group of people that day in that camp. There was one tribe or one, one mass of people listening before God, talking with Moses. Today there's one audience in this room today, but you know what? There are two, at least two, maybe three types of people sitting in our pews. And there were two types of people in their audience that day that Moses was talking to. One on one side is the house of Jacob. The other on the other side is the sons of Israel. They're saying, wait, Pastor Heath, that's the same dude. Jacob in the Old Testament became Israel. If you know anything about your Bible history, if you don't, that's okay. In the Old Testament, there was a guy named Jacob who was uh, called by God to fulfill his great-grandfather's commission to bless the nations in his line. And he would birth 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. But he wrestled with God, had to wrestle with God. uh, And he got to this place where in his life... 
He was struggling to fulfill the destiny that God had put upon his life. And he got to a place where in the wilderness he wrestled with God. God had to basically dislocate his hip. And he never walked the same way again. And when he left that place, God renamed him a new identity, Israel, one who wrestles with God, or some would say a prince of God, a son of God. And so you've got this transformation of a man named Jacob who in a wilderness experience, just like what they went through, was transformed by an encounter, a struggling, a wrestling with God. And his whole identity and demeanor was changed. Who he was, what he wanted to do with his life, and who he was willing to be, and how he was willing to fulfill the plan of God for his life. And he says, in this camp are two types of people, the house of Jacob and the sons of Israel. Who are they? In this audience, standing before the mount of God, right before God is about to do something awesome in their life, stands two people, two types of people. One side, the house of Jacob, those who have gone through the wilderness, they've been delivered, set free from the slavery of Egypt, but they stand there untransformed. They stand there still struggling with going back. They stand there not having been changed on the inside. The manna didn't wow them. The water in the rock didn't amaze them. And it was only satisfying their fleshly appetites. But yet, even having been delivered, they were not yet set free. They were delivered, but they were not determined to make it all the way to heaven, all the way to the promised land. And today in this room, there perhaps is some of those here, you and I, We've been set free from sin. We've been delivered, but we're not determined to make it all the way. Something could come up in our life tomorrow and we could just quickly turn our backs on God. We're not steadfast in faithfulness. I don't have an endurance. I haven't learned something about myself and about God through this trial of life I've been going through. And if push comes to shove, if all my buttons get pushed, I might just say, God, I'm done, I quit. How many people in your life... Have you met just like that? Or maybe you have been one of those people in your life several times where I've tried with God and I go back and I'll try with God and I'll go back again. That's the house of Jacob. And God is so longing for you today, if that's you. He says, I so long that they would be changed by the grace of God, that they would be changed by what I have done for them. Not because... I'm providing them manna, not because I'm giving them water out of a rock, but because I delivered them when I didn't have to. I pulled you out of the pits of hell by my strong right hand. My son died for you. And that should change me, church. When I realized that God, His Son, was sent to die for me on a cross, it should never, I should never want to go back to Egypt again. I should always trust in the hand of the Lord who feeds me. And quenches my soul. Now, on the other side was the sons of Israel. They were the ones that perhaps they were they were learning something about themselves, learning something about God, and they they were ready. They said, "Yes, we're ready." Now, the interesting thing is, all of them said they were ready. They all said it. They said, "Yes, Moses, let's do it. Let's go across this mountain." And they were just the football game is going, and they're just yeah. And because God is about to speak and Moses is speaking and this is awesome and we just went through all this stuff and the promised land is across this mountain range and if we'll go over there, maybe we can relax. Turn the game on. Some nachos, you know. Get out of this desert. But who are we today? Some of us may still yet be in Egypt. 
not even yet delivered. Maybe you haven't, you've been set free, you're saved today, but your old identity's not yet been broken, you've yet to surrender to God's plans. Or maybe you're here today, you say, Pastor Heath, I am ready to be bound with God for life. I'm not ever going back. Never going back. So God, here's the parties, and now He says, okay, here's the conditions. There's some covenant conditions here, and God sets forth this unconditional covenant, this binding pledge. And a covenant is like this agreement. It's more than a promise. It's more than just a used car deal or, or a contract or even a marriage license today. It's, it's uh, what for most people's marriages today. It's an it's a unbreakable vow, an unbreakable promise. And God cannot make this agreement with you and I. Why? Because nobody is equal to God. When you buy a car or you buy an agree- you go to Craigslist and you buy a car from someone, it's an equal agreement. I've got the cash, they've got the car, we're going to make a trade, and then if I do my part to give them the cash, they'll do their part to give me the car. That's a contract. But a covenant with God, no one can have anything to offer Him. Nothing you have is good enough for God. You can't give Him your life. It, 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 and if you did, that's just what... I mean, He's God, right? Nobody can match His guarantee, right? We're fickle. I'll say, God, here's my life. And he'll say, yeah, right. Because I know. Remember last Sunday you said that too, right? <laughs> and the Sunday before that you even tried to do it again. And so God says, you can't match my guarantee. I'm giving this to you unconditionally. I will always bless you. I will always love you. I will never, ever leave you. I will make you so awesome. I'll make you a, a royal priesthood, a people for my possession, a holy nation. I'll be your healer, your deliverer. I'll be your Jehovah Jireh, uh, your Jehovah Rasi. I will be your everything. I promise. How awesome is that? No conditions. I just say, God just says, I'm going to do this. I'll, and if you don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out because I'm making a promise. It's going to happen. I'm going to raise up somebody, and they're going to be awesome. I want to be awesome for God. I don't know about you. All right? And he says, this is unconditional. And he goes even further in Exodus when he delivered them from... And I'll just give you this little tidbit because this is what makes it so awesome. When he delivered them at the Red Sea, he says, he gave them the same covenant, but he just said, I'm going to be your healer. But this time, he says, I'm going to make you a people for my possession, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. You know what that tells me? Everything with God just gets better. Everything with God just gets better. He says something to you in one season of your life, you better be believing and knowing that God's just going to make it better. You, get, you marry that person or you, you have that child, and if you lead and walk in the presence of God, it just gets better. Amen? Those who have been married for a while, just gets better in God, right? Uh, and, and on my relationship with God, I personal relationship, I got saved and it was like, yeah, I got, I got saved, got out of that stuff. But you know what? It's so much better now. No? Right? Is not your relationship better with God years and decades in? It just gets better. And I trust Him in that. I can trust God that life with Him just gets better. Maybe you're struggling here today just to give God everything. Just know it just gets better and better and better. Isn't that awesome? And so God's is unconditional, but what about us? He says, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you'll be blessed. It was conditional on their part. God's part is unconditional. He'll never break it. He says, but on your part, if you obey, if you listen, that's who you'll become. Why? We're that fickle people. We change our mind five times about where we want to go eat. 
right? Uh, I mean, true? I mean, you know, and as a pastor, my heart breaks because of all the people I see come and they give a great testimony. And then six months later, life hits. Year goes by. I don't see them in church no more. We're fickle. We change. Maybe their decision was really to this place, standing at this mountain, they're saying, God saved me. But will I allow myself to be ruled by Him? You know, today you're going to be mastered by something, and it will not be yourself. You'll either be mastered by death, you'll be mastered by the sin of your flesh, you'll be mastered by the devil, or you'll be mastered by God. There's no in-between, and you never win on those other kind of conditions. You'll never master yourself. It is impossible. You'll never be your own man, never be your own woman, never be your own boss, because you can't control yourself. Sin is too strong in us. I must be ruled by someone, and I choose Jesus, because it just gets better. So God gives his, uncondi- his unconditional part. He gives us the conditional part. And he says, here's this new covenant with you and I, Jesus. That's the good news. Today, with our perfect intercessor, Jesus is willing to renew and add on to this old covenant and even make this old covenant go away and give you and I today, just like he gave it to them, Today, you and I sitting in this room today, we have an intercessor who is willing to give us a renewed and new guarantee of a better covenant. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, what you and I have on the table today. It's on the, on the desk, ready to be signed today. He says, but this is the new covenant, Jesus, I'm going to make with them. He says, this is the covenant I want to make with those people here today in Gina, Louisiana. Jesus, I'm going on that day, I'll put my law in their minds, I'll write it on their hearts, I'll be their God, and they'll be my people, and I'll forgive their wickedness and never remember their sins anymore. That's a good deal. I'd buy that car, right? Who wouldn't want that deal? Now, what's your part? What's your part? Jesus says this in John 14, you got to obey. He says, anyone who loves me, he'll keep my word. My Father then will love him, and, and he'll come to him and make our home with him. There's the obey part. John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, but you know what? My sheep also, they'll listen to my voice. I'll know them. They'll follow me. I'll give them eternal life. They'll never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. But my sheep, my people, will listen, and they'll obey. They'll listen, and they'll obey. All right, God, I want that car. I want that house. I want that thing, that contract. I want to sign it. You listen and you obey. Now think about this. Now think about this. The peril of unbelief, though, is that many want a Savior, but few want a Lord. The peril of it is that many want a friend, but few want a master. Many want the promise, but few want to be changed through the wilderness. But if we hear and if we obey, he guarantees us some awesome stuff. Watch this. What's the covenant blessings? He says, Peter, first Peter, chapter two, verse nine tells us that it's for the church. He says, there's some awesome blessings for you, brother and sister today. He says, you're the church, just like the children of Israel. You get the same, but even better agreement. 
You can sign the deal if you're willing to today. And he says this, but you can be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And it's so that you can proclaim the excellencies, the excellent stuff of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are. You can be the people of God because you had not received mercy but now you receive mercy. What is, I'm just going to break this out. Just I want to tell you the blessings of God. Because I can't motivate you to be an all, all in with Jesus by telling you hellfire stuff. There is a hell. It's going to be hot. You don't want to go there. Jesus preached a lot on it. I'm going to say something on it in a minute. But I want you to know the wonderful blessings of giving it all to Jesus on the mountain. Just saying, yes, God, I'm going all in, never coming back. He says God's possession. Israel had some special value to God. And they were so special that he was willing to go personally into Egypt, rescue them, and protect her in the wilderness. Jesus was willing to go to the pit of hell for you and I. He was willing to snatch you from the flames of eternal judgment. That's how special you are to him. He would, that he would uh, trust you and make you the redeemed. That every sinful act would be purified out of you and you would be his. That's what he's willing to do. That's, how, that's what he sees in you. And while the world looks upon you and us today as junk, God says you are more valuable than the heavens. You are more valuable than anything on this earth. You are more valuable than any creature He's ever made. Every heavenly host, He values you over them. So Scripture says, He made us last, declared it to be good. The climax of all creation, He breathed His own personal breath into Adam and Eve. He put His own thumbprint on their design. Everything else he spoke, but he formed it personally you. Now, when the world tells you you're not good enough, you want to cut yourself, you want to commit suicide, you want to get lulled off into the depression and the despair of this world, you know you have a God who says, I want you. I want you. But of all things I've ever created or spoken, every heavenly host and star in the sky, I could fade it all away. I'd want you. The world tell you you're junk. The world run right over you. People stab you in the back and leave you. But God says, I want you. He says, this is what I want for you. But how do you become this? If you listen, if you obey. He says, I want to make you a kingdom of priests. God called Israel, bless the nations. He wanted to be a house of prayer, where a light to the world, where all the nations could come in and see the salvation of God. I'm going to lift you up so people can just see the glory of God shine through you. That's what he wanted. God says, I'm going to do the same thing through you. Man, I want to lift you up. And everyone around you would say, man, there's a God in heaven. Because I see in their life, I see there is a God in heaven. I want to know, hey, can you tell me, brother, sister, what is that light that's shining out of you? What's that thing you've got, that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory? What's that peace you have in the midst of troubles and tribulations and trials? What's in you? I want that. God said, I, will. I'm, I want to do that in you. This is what's, if you cross the mountain with me, this is what's on the other side. If you're willing to just go all in, stop holding on to the things of Egypt and the things of this world, stop thinking your own thoughts and feeling your own thoughts and wanting to do what you want to do, just let it go and, and just come with me to a place where you don't understand it all. It's okay. A place where you've never been before. Just give it up because I want to do something in you. 
I can serve at a place of universal privilege because God wants to know me. I can be an ambassador for Christ, a royal priest in His house. How? If I listen and if I obey. That's the term, remember? It says, I want to make you a holy nation. Israel was set apart, consecrated to be the people of God and to be holy. Actually, when it says holy nation, it means to be set apart for a purpose. And he says, I want to set you apart for a purpose. My spirit will dwell in you and be in the midst of the congregation of Israel. And Jesus likewise says today, man, I don't want to just be with you. I want to be in you. I want to put my Holy Spirit in the midst of your heart and your soul, in the midst of your family. I want to dwell in the middle of you. I want to be all about everything is all going on in your life. I want to be a part of it. I want to be the center of it. And I want to set you apart for a holy universal purpose that when this world ends, your story will have meaning. Your story will have a name. You'll have a name written up in heaven in glory forever. They will never fade. And I'll know it. Nobody else will know it. But you and I, the special connection. I'm going to name you something special that just you and I know. And I'll even put my name on you. That's what it says in Revelation. I want you to be holy people, a holy nation. You know what that means on this world, though? It means you're going to have the life, and you can have the life that this failing, falling world envies. You can have a marriage that if it's blessed in God on both parties, it lasts. That our finances will be in order. You'll be the best, best employee, best boss, best friend, and the best family member anybody could ask for. And the world will look at you and be like, what is going on in this person's life? The Holy Spirit is with me. The Holy Spirit is in me. We'll rescue the outcast. We'll stand up for justice. And we'll sleep peacefully in every time of trouble. Because the Holy Spirit is with me. How do you get to that? How do I do that, God? If you listen and if you obey. Now here's the problem, though. Look with me in this next verse. It says, So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together, And all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And this great agreement, in Exodus chapter 24, a few more passages, they agreed to it again, and they sealed it with blood, and it was done. Okay? Made these great sacrifices, burnt offerings, they sealed it with blood. Every major agreement must be signed. They signed this one with their voice and in blood. It was notarized, signed, sealed, delivered. Right? Have you ever promised God something you couldn't fulfill? Oh, yes, God, I'll do that. Oh, okay, sorry, God. Oh, God, I won't do that. Oh, sorry, God. Right? That's what we do. Israel, even in their best efforts, couldn't listen and obey. Even the house of Jacob couldn't. Even the sons of Israel couldn't. Even in their best day of trying to live holy, couldn't do it. Couldn't listen, couldn't obey. Even in the best day, they couldn't fulfill the easiest laws, the Ten Commandments. Unfortunately, you and I today too, you can't obey what God has given you. You can't listen and obey, even on your best day, trying to be the best Christian, best Sunday school teacher, best father, best husband, best worship team, best pastor, whatever. Your best day, you will fail. 
Right? At least I do. I don't know about y'all. Even on my best day, still, I have a problem listening and obeying God. I can't sign it. Can't sign it. I don't have anything to barter with God. I want that used car, that that bank note. I I don't have the money in the bank to pay for it. I I can't sign this agreement with God. Mm -mm. Thanks be to God who gives us our victory in Jesus Christ. Our perfect mediator. So Jesus comes over to God and we're at the table and God's on the other side. He says, slides that paper across. There's my terms. There's my agreement. I'll unconditionally bless you if you listen and obey. We're on the other side. Oh, I want that. I want that car. I want that, want that house. Ooh, I want that covenant, God. I want to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a people for your possession. But I don't have the money. I don't have it. I can't sign it. I'm going to break it. Jesus comes over to God and He says, God, they can't sign it. I'll sign it for them. I'll write it in my own blood. We got a perfect intercessor. He said, when they can't be perfect, I'll be perfect for them. When they can't sign it, God... I want to fulfill your will. And when they can't fulfill your will, I'll do it for them. When they can't listen, obey, I'll listen and obey for them. That's what I'll do. God, because I love them. I'm perfectly man. God, I love you. I'm perfectly God. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to sign their note. And when they fail, I'll pay it. Time and time again, I'll pay that note. It was signed, sealed, and delivered by Jesus Christ. He delivered us. And what kind of God would do that? And how can I not go all in? Because the highway on the mountain has been paved by the footsteps to the cross. I can go on to the top. Children of Israel couldn't make it on the top. Only Moses could go up. But you and I can go deeper And deeper with God. You and I have a pathway to the promise of God. Through Jesus Christ. And so now what's my part? What's your and my part today? If I've been delivered. if And Christ says I listen and I obey for you. And now any who receive me can become God's possession. Any who receive him, Jesus Christ, can become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. But what does that mean for you and I today? The contract's been signed and sealed in His blood. Now what? Can I do anything I want? Do I still have to listen and obey? It's been done. It's been completed. What do I do now? See, what happens now is that when I get to that place in Jesus, I say, yes, Jesus, sign my contract. Sign this agreement. He says, come on in. He says, now I'll transform you. You were once Jacob, but now you'll be Israel. You were once wrestling with God in an identity crisis. You are struggling to give up the things of Egypt. But now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll live within you. If you let me, I'll transform you from the inside out. I'll put my Holy Spirit within you, and you will be able to obey my law. 
you will be able to hear my voice and you will have enabled uh, the enabled power of the Holy Spirit residing within you to do all that I'm calling you to do. You see, Romans tells us in chapter 8, verse 4, that we no longer walk by the ability of our flesh, but in this new covenant, this new agreement with God, we now walk in the ability of the Holy Spirit. Where before I was trying to do it on my own ability, now I can do it by the power of God who lives within me. And so Paul says it this way. He says, if we live in the Spirit, we've got this new identity with God, this spiritual relationship with God, then walk by the Spirit. So every day now in my life, your life, if you want to go to the mountain with God, if you want Jesus to sign, seal, and deliver you, you have to walk and listen and obey the Holy Spirit within you. You know what? Even when you fail, it's still sealed. It's still signed. As long as I keep walking with the Holy Spirit every day, I'm on the road to the promised land. You can go up the mountain with God today. You don't need to try and be special. You are special if you receive Christ and walk in the Spirit. You don't need to try and be holy. You are holy if you receive Christ and walk in the Spirit. You don't need to try and do great ministry. You will be a great ministry if you receive Christ and walk in the Spirit. But let me give you this warning today as I close. Those who would like to pretend and still accept this offer and still receive, retain the identity of Jacob, still receive the house of Jacob on the inside and reject the transformation of the Holy Spirit, those who would deliberately keep on sinning after receiving this great price of signature. Hebrews tells us there is no more sacrifice to cover such sins. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and hellfire without mercy for those who would receive the blood of the Lamb receive the signature of Jesus, and then continue to walk in their own way of thinking, living, and doing, and not respond to the Holy Spirit who now graciously lives within them. See, their responsibility is even doubly more. Now that I've received the price tag of Jesus Christ, now that He's become the ransom for me to make it into glory, how can I not fully give Him everything how can I not say, God, I don't care about how I thought before. God, I don't care about those things of my past, the people that hurt me, that stabbed me in the back, the things that it was abandoned as a child or the, the addictions and all the things. I don't care about all the things of my past. I don't care about the things that, that I want for my future. God, I'm yours because you've freely given me your son. So, Holy Spirit, every day I'll listen. What do you want to do today, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit quickens my heart. You need to tell that person you're sorry. Okay, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit quickens my heart. I need to go over there and talk to that person. Okay, Holy Spirit. The Word of God says, turn the other cheek. God, I'm going to turn the other cheek. The Word of God says, go the extra mile. I'm going to go the extra mile. The Word of God says, love without hypocrisy. Every day, God, I'm going to try my best to love genuinely as the Holy Spirit helps me to love people. That's the Christian life. I'm not fearing losing the signature. 
I just want to keep walking forward in Jesus and His Spirit. You can be signed, sealed, and delivered by the power and the name of Jesus Christ today. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps you're today staring at that mountain.